This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. A wild card playoff football Friday, like Brady Quinn likes to call it. Bring out the band. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Football. Football. I mean, we don't actually football. Come on. Come on. Who cares? Come on. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Just round up. Come on. We got one football. 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 Hey, there's some people who won't have any football. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, David Culley uh, probably thinking to himself, well, man, I made it past Joe Judge. I mean, I, you know, I'm probably good here. Oops. And then Thursday rolls around and the Houston Texans go ahead and uh, make the move. Uh, David Coley, after one season, four and 13 year, uh, gets fired by the Houston Texans. Uh, They cited, uh, you know, some uh, philosophical differences uh, over the (laughs) long-term direction of the program, whatever the hell that means. That was Nick Casario and the Houston Texans who released a statement. Uh, But nonetheless, David Coley, who was put in an almost impossible situation to try and win, is out after one year. And I think the sentiment is that uh, he got pretty much job by the uh, by the Houston Texans organization. You know, I, I am tired of this in the NFL. And, and the reason why I bring this up is somewhat from the coaching standpoint, but also from the player standpoint. At, at some point, you've got to hold an organization accountable for if, if they feel like this decision was a mistake, then hold them accountable. But it almost you almost get the sense sometimes, especially with coaches that are one and dones, that it, it's more about something outside of actually hiring the coach. Like, it's about another topic or issue. You know, people, because of, of David Coley's skin color, are going to say, oh, like, this is what it's about. I, I don't know if it was about that or not, that that played an issue whatsoever. I just want teams to be able to hire the, the people they feel like give them the best chance to win and give them an actual chance. If a year ago you felt like he gave you the best chance to win, then give him a chance. You didn't give him a chance. They didn't give Steve Wilkes a chance. And, and I know people in Arizona who, were, who said, oh, it was different. You know, it was just a really bad first year. He's a first-time head coach. Yep. What do you expect? You hired him. Did you think things were going to come out smooth? Did you, did you think he wasn't going to go through – a little bit of learning on his way there. I mean, again, I always use the example of Zach Taylor because look at what the first two years looked like, even with Joe Burrow as a rookie. Granted, got hurt, but still, even with him. And by year three, with all the building, everything else they've done, now you see what they're capable of. You could make the same case with Sean McDermott when he first got to Buffalo. We knew he was a great defensive mind, but he finally was able to build that once they got more around Josh Allen, showcased him some stability, and there you see how it works. Why would you hire David Cauley when you full well knew there was going to be an issue with Deshaun Watson, who was everything to your team, and even at that, they were 4-12 and his last year playing, his best statistical year playing. Why would you go through that and hire the guy to only fire him a year later? You knew this was going to be a dumpster fire at times, or they were going to have issues. And, and you can t- spare me the whole, well, we brought Nick Casero in after and, you know, their philosophical differences. Okay, man. It's just an excuse. That's the reality. It's an excuse. And it puts players' careers in jeopardy. Since you've got a head coach at one point 
that they're playing for that wants them, then the next guy comes in, maybe he doesn't. And now they're kind of thrown into the wind having no advocate for them. You've got organizations that are making so much money. They're making so much money, they don't care. That's how much these owners are making. It is ridiculous. And they don't care if they move on from that head coach, from Tim Keller, their OC, from the rest of their coaching staff, because they're making it, they're flush. They're making so much money. So I, I hate to go off on this rant, but the reality is I'm, I'm just tired of seeing it in the NFL, and I, I really don't know how to get around it. Because, the, you know, 31 owners and obviously the 32 teams are going to pretty much operate how they see fit. And we can have Rooney rules in place. We can have other safeguards or things to promote diversity. But it, it, it's not going to matter because the owners just do what they want. And a year after, you know, a year from now, they can make whatever decision and go back on their word that they said it a year before. You know, I think it's all about selling hope. And, and I don't think in self-preservation or in organizational preservation – they don't care about what your skin color is. They don't care about who you are. The only thing they care about is how their bottom line is going to be impacted. And if you feel as though, and and whatever it is they base it off of, I don't know if it's a gut feeling. I don't know if they sit down and they talk amongst each other in a room, uh, in their war room. You know, whatever their process is, I'll say I went through this more than most during their career because, I I mean, I was in a place where I understood what selling hope meant. And if, if the team didn't perform on the field, that's one thing. If your your sales team isn't performing off the field, that's a whole other thing. And what are you selling your your lead sponsors, your your big time title sponsors? What are you basing those sales off of? It's off of the belief in there's a chance. This this coach gives us a chance. We believe in this, so we're going to do a spend of this. We believe in this player. That player gives us uh wow, there's my alarm for for getting up. Uh, <laughs> this this well, gives I hope it wasn't on a work day. Yeah, right. I, I, had, I had that what, bad boy on snooze. Was that, that's all was that, that was. Was that 308 Mountain Time? I, I never <laughs> I never turned it off and put it on snooze today. Um you know, I in Washington, you realize that if the fan base and if and if the the front office was not comfortable with who the person was, like for instance, they were comfortable with with uh, Steve Spurrier, and they were able to sell hope with Steve Spurrier. But the moment they they found or figured out that they couldn't, where that 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 buy in. And that hope of this thing turning around was gone. He was gone. It was like every single time a coach showed that the belief or the hope was gone, that they wanted to sell, that coach was gone. And whether they felt that internally as 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 leadership or if they felt it by by the way the sales went down in terms of ticket sales or or selling selling the sponsors. 
they were always making decisions based off of selling hope. Every single time you went into the offseason, it was bring in this 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 big name, big name free agent, and let's do this. Boom, sell hope. Oh, we're 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 sinking. What do we do? You're at your lowest point of the franchise. How do we get out of it? Oh, you you get the guy who had the most wins and and won the most Super Bowls, you get him to come out of retirement and coach your team. They're selling hope. So all of these teams, at the end of the day, want to impact their bottom line. For those who want to make this into a color thing, you can. You can turn it into a racial thing if you want to. But at the end of the day, these teams could care less about what your, your skin color is. They care about what what color of of the the money that's going into their bank accounts when they sell to their their fan base who's coming in to coach this team and why they're coming in to coach this team and if they're a, a relatively unknown coach you're going to get less opportunity and you're going to get less time to prove that you can coach a team and build a team if that organization feels as though the the fan base does not buy in or believe in what this coach brings to the table. Yeah. If you bring in somebody else that you feel is is recognizable enough or you believe that what it is, the product that you can put out there is still believable and viable and viable, they're going to keep that person around, especially if it's if financially makes sense to keep that person around. A lot of times we look at these things and we don't understand all of the business that goes into why you keep things the same, why you change them, why you shake things up. But it ultimately comes down to the business of what it is that these guys are trying to do. And that's ultimately what they'll make their decisions off of, whether it makes sense or not to the public, to the media, to people in general. They are going to position themselves to convince their fan base to buy season tickets, to buy the suites, to to buy into the fact that this team is going to be better moving forward. And that's really all you have to sell when you're a team that doesn't win. Uh, the whole uh, race conversation that, yeah, and some people are uh, turning it into that. It's like, uh, yeah, well, Cam Cameron would like a word because uh, he got clipped after a year or two in Miami. Oh, like, that stop. Was, dude, I, he was awful. I know. I Don't understand. I, I'm just saying. Two. I'm just saying. Don't it, even the, compare the, the idea. Two. But the comp, the comp God. is Steve Wilkes because Steve Wilkes in Arizona, that was an awful situation. And the general manager there, Steve Kime, I think he felt the heat. He needed a fall guy and he needs someone to bail on. The idea that anybody thought that he, this that he David Coley had a chance had any chance. I actually wonder this: what record would have given him a second year? Like, had he won three more games, would he gotten a second year? I don't think there was any chance, other than him getting this team into the playoffs, that he was going to be brought back for year two. I, I think this was this was a preconceived. They already knew ahead of time. Yeah, this is a one and done possibility, but we'll give him twenty two million to walk away. That's what it looks like to me. That's what this is. It's a balloon or a parachute, a golden parachute to walk away. I mean, don't compare to Cam Cameron. Come on. That was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you, you like, that little, uh, like that little drop there. That little, you uh, could have used Dan Campbell this year. Yeah, a little reference there. How, how is Detroit know? any different? I mean, in all seriousness, I know they were competitive. They covered a lot of spreads. That had more to do with the perception. <laughs> I, I think It's funny. If you bring gambling into this conversation – 
it's funny only because the Detroit Lions, I don't know if they're nine and um, eight or, or, you know, 10 and seven against the spread this season. It just goes to show you how low the expectations were for that organization. Now, contrast that with the Houston Texans. Clearly, there wasn't any expectations given the situation with Deshaun Watson. You're playing a third-round quarterback that was a rookie who didn't have a ton of help around him. The guy who flies under the radar every year is Brandon Cooks. Go compare his stats over the past, what, six years, seven years, whatever it's been when he's healthy, to any other receiver. Uh, it's, it's actually shocking how productive he is, but he never gets any attention. And they had some other moments and pieces on their team that – you know, I think give you optimism, or as LeVar said, give you hope. But the truth is, on upon hiring David Coley, you had to have thought he's a first-time head coach, a first-year head coach. There's going to be some bumps. He's going to learn. We're going to learn. And then we're going to build better in year two, year three. year. I mean, that's how this should go. And so, to me, that hiring was nothing other than optics because of what Deshaun Watson – had accused and maybe why he wouldn't play for the McNair family. And it seemed like it was more about optics of putting someone in a leadership role that would, would squash some of the comments that they were worried about getting out. And so maybe some of the reasons why Deshaun Watson didn't want to play for Cal McNair. Yeah. So it, it, you can say whatever you want. I, I just I, I hate how this whole thing is for optics now, and yet David Cauley might not ever get a head coaching job again because of how the Houston Texans set him up to fail with this opportunity. Granted, great. He gets, he gets a lot of money out of it. But, you know, is that really what he wants? Is that what's going to make him happy? Or would he have been happy having a better shot of being a head coach, especially if this is his only shot in the NFL in his entire career? Can I offer this before we go to break? I know we're up against it, but is there a possibility that they felt like bringing in Kali would be the difference in getting Deshaun Watson – to want to play for the team again. Now, basing him getting getting Deshaun Watson publicly to say he wanted to play for the team was important even if Deshaun Watson wasn't wasn't going to be able to play. When it played out in the media that Deshaun Watson still after they brought in De, uh Kali and and it was based off of okay, you brought in uh cuz if you recall you know, Deshaun was upset that he wasn't, yeah. you know, consulted about who the coach right. would be. And and that was initially, the, though, remember? Because then they right. ended up interviewing Eric Bieniemy, They ended up interviewing David. Like, people thought, right. like, oh, Eric Bieniemy is going to be the next head coach of the Texans, though. But they were basing it off of it being a, a black man, right? right? Like, he was basing it off of that. So they bring in the black man Jeez. for the team. All right. And so the idea of it is, is understanding that when, when – Deshaun Watson said he did not want to do it. He still did not want to play for them. Did did the opportunity for Kali go out the door? Because now you got to sell hope and you have to brace for the fact that you're not going to have your franchise quarterback coming back for this team. They're preparing and they're bracing for not having Deshaun Watson anymore. And and he was not Kali was not able to clean it up going into this season so therefore you have to bring in a coach that that sells the hope 
to the fan base. It's a start anew because it's we braced for it for bracing for not having Deshaun Watson after this season. And Kali doesn't move the needle enough by himself. And there's not another player on this team that moves the needle by themselves to move forward selling tickets and selling hope with this scenario. I think that might be the conspiracy theory that exists here. It's Again, a, that, that might be right. I just it doesn't change the fact that David Cauley in what could be his only head coaching stint has to fall on the sword. I so agree. they can sell hope. You know, that's the yeah. thing that rubs me wrong about this entire thing. That amongst all the players who are there for a year and who knows what happens to them, you know, next year. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, thanks for listening to the Two Pros and a Cup of Joe podcast with Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, and myself, LeVar Arrington. Make sure you catch us live weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern or 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. You can find your local station for the Two Pros and a Cup of Joe show over at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, grooving, man. Bass on a trigger. Friday. You hear that bass trigger was boom. Nah, none of that. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. You you missed that in the very beginning. Nah, of it's none of that. It's, it's called a bass trigger. Let, let, yeah. let Lavar uh, explain the uh, the workings of the bass unit uh, inside a song, please. Lavar, what's going on here? Be, uh, you know, drum wise in this I hear song. Nothing. Okay. Uh, it's uh, two pros and a cup of Joe, Fox Sports Radio. It's Lamar Arrington, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox with you here on FSR. You can hang out with us as always on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us on hundreds of Fox oh, Sports man. Radio affiliates and wherever you are making us a part of your Friday. We appreciate you doing so. We'll take you all the way up until 9 That's Eastern great. time, 6 a.m. Pacific. The so. best thing Lamar said last week, though, is the, what was it? Hey. Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, that was on Monday. Yeah. Oh, no, that was this week. <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, the revelation that, uh, you know, Cincinnati <laughs> could really be the team uh, to hey, watch. Cincinnati. Although you did piss off Birdo. Uh, now Birdo is uh, calling a I'm shot. I'm sorry, Birdo. Uh, I'm uh, sorry, man. He, he's uh, projecting uh, the Raiders win by three. Which well, uh, go with the, well so they wouldn't cover. Go, ahead, go with the money line. Yeah. Go with the money line there, Roberto. Well, they, yeah, if they, other games I've been close. So if they win, it's going to be a close game, obviously. I mean, uh, well, that run okay. defense has been good, though. The Raiders run defense. That's why they've won. Well, the good thing about the Bengals is they don't care about really running. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it does. Well, Joe Mixon like, went off uh, the last game against them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think money line could be an opportunity for Berto to make some coin. Yeah, I, I think but, you should bet the money line. I'd put a lot on it. I, we, I wanted, I want to find out though, because Berto knows how to throw a party better than anybody on the show. I want to know what a Raider playoff game on a Saturday afternoon in Southern California is going to look like for Roberto Flores and family. How's that mm. going to look? You are going to get mangled. Yeah, Roberto. yeah. It's going to start at least at 1130 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a little two-hour tailgate in yeah. the front yard. Uh, yeah, it's the carne asada ready, the salsa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might uh, fly out for that oh, just to Dios watch the game mio. with Roberto, man. Dios mio. By the way, if you do bet the Raiders on the money line, uh, plus 200. Bet 100, win 200. So uh, if they went outright in that game. So there's that. Uh, uh, all right. Um, so, listen, I mean, sometimes 
people do interviews, and sometimes uh, while doing these interviews, they don't necessarily have all the uh, all the facts straight. Um, one of those guys is former NFL linebacker DJ Williams, uh, played in the league quite some time, was a member of the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was on the I Am Athlete podcast talking about Josh McDaniels as his head coach in Denver and how things went down. And um, he made some remarks that um, are pretty damning, um, except there's one glaring error with some of these comments. Let's first listen to the comments, and then we've got Brady Quinn who can clear some things up. We play San Francisco. We end up losing to San Francisco. We're supposed to beat San Francisco. Okay. Here's what happened. Our film guy got caught because we had to share a stadium. Got caught filming their practice. That's the Belichick way. Say it now. Say it now. Say it again. Spygate. Say it again. That's the wait, Belichick wait, wait, way. Wait, 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 wait. Spygate. Our film guy got caught filming their practice. One week later, Josh is fired. Josh tried to say the film guy, who was his boy that he grew up with, I had whatever. I believe we started out six and zero. We ended up eight and eight. After that, Junior Spygate happens. The Junior Spygate. <laughs> we lose six out of eight games, and I bull you not once that losing streak happened we was we was we was having breakfast we was in there and it's like damn man i knew we wasn't that good <laughs> we was cheating <laughs> we was cheating so there he is uh dj williams talking about uh, his time in denver and the cheating uh, from josh mcdaniels brady quinn I, I hate to do this. I, I do. I love DJ. No, no, no. He's a great teammate, better dude, uh, incredibly savvy off the field from a business perspective. And even in this instance, there are things that are happen on that show that are maybe more for the entertainment than necessarily the reality or, or truth of the matter. This is an instance that is just not factual in any way, Okay. The Denver Broncos started out 6-0 in 2009, which was Josh McDaniel's first year there. How do I know this? Well, there was a potential chance that I was going to be traded there before that season when I was back with the Cleveland Browns. We played them in Denver that year in year two. They were a damn good football team. I'll say that. They, they beat the crap out of us, and it felt suffocating playing against that defense that he was a part of. So I can assure you, after they beat us, and, and with all the rumors and things going on before that season, I kept tabs on that because I was, like, curious to see how Josh would do. And I was curious to see how good that team was because in the beginning of the season, we, got, we lost to Minnesota. Adrian Peterson ran all over us in Brett Favre's debut as a Viking. And then we would then go on the road and lose to Denver. And I'm like, we're either awful, which we were that season, or maybe we just played a couple of really good football teams, which we did at that point in time. At least it seemed that way. So the Broncos go on to go 6-0. and They beat New England in those funky old-school throwback uniforms. And then they tail off the rest of that season 2-8. and The Denver Broncos never played San Francisco in 2009. So when he refers to, like, hey, we knew all the stuff that they were doing, you know, he had all the answers, yeah, that may have been the case, but that was earlier in 2009 when he first got there. The rest of that season, things started to fall apart. You go 2-8. and eight. I get traded to the team after the 2009 football season. So I'm there in 2010. And we start off 2-5. and five. We have a trip to San Francisco, or excuse me, to London. So we're playing a game in London. And I, I can't remember if we were favored or not. My guess would be we were because at the time they were starting Troy Smith. 
So he was a backup who was starting, obviously, overseas in London. And I, I would imagine we were favored in that game. And indeed, that part of the story is true. Steve Skarnecchia, he happened to get popped trying to film their walkthrough or whatever happened. But Josh McDaniels wasn't even fired right away after that. I mean, I've told this story with Jonas, like, after the game, we got some time before we're flying out, so everyone goes out. John Elway may or may not be known in London, and he couldn't get into a club. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, he wasn't even fired until we had four games left in the season where Eric Studisville then took over. So even that incident, Junior Spygate or Spygate, whatever you want to call it, it didn't, it didn't lead necessarily to his direct firing. It took a few weeks before it came out, and, and it became a decision that the organization wanted to move on from Josh at that point. But it was a 2-5 and five start, really 2-6 and six after the San Francisco game, and 2-8, and eight, right? So 4-14 four and 14 between 2009 and 2010 at that point. And then we subsequently started to lose you know, more after that that ultimately led to his firing. It, it wasn't that specific event, but this is a microcosm of like our society. Is that, that went viral. It was fun to talk about and listen to, but I sat there and watched it and go, that's not even true. <laughs> like, and no one's going to fact check this? TMZ.com ran it. All these you know, publicized websites and stuff run this, and they don't fact check it? It's it, not hard to do. Wasn't Brandon Marshall on the team? Like, uh, he's no, doing the interview. No. I, Mark, he, he, he was left, there one of the years, though. He left oh, in 2009. Uh, I believe he might have been on the team that year. And then he left uh, after it. So he got traded. He was, he was confirming what DJ was saying during – like, he was there, whatever whatever yeah, he, season it, it was. Well, in 2009, I believe he was there. It was 2010 where he was not. Yeah, I don't I – don't, I don't know I, – I know DJ. I don't know him very well. Um I don't know the situation because I, I just didn't even pay attention to Denver like that. So Jeez. I, I, I didn't. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't. Wait, this it. isn't. It's just about Denver. This is right. just more about like how we go about reporting and talking about stuff yeah. nowadays. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just addressing what he had to say. I, I'm in terms of reporting. That's 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 a whole nother thing. I'm just saying when I listen to DJ give his account. I'm just. This is all I'm saying. I, I I wouldn't have known that they they lost their last six games out of eight or whatever, and only won two. I just I don't know if he mixed up seasons. I, I don't you know I don't know. I just the the thing I was curious about was him feeling as though he was that much more prepared and he was that much more ready to to handle his business. I think there was more of a soundbite where he said Josh McDaniels called him in. They watched like 50 plays or whatever the number of plays were of Tom Brady and how he how he set his feet when he was throwing the ball, how he set his feet when it was going to be a run and and he had never been so prepared based off of the information that Josh McDaniels was was giving him. So I I, I would be curious as do do you think that that was true in terms of the validity of getting the information and how he was getting the information versus no, if the year years were mixed th- up or not. No, he knew this. He knew the Tom Brady thing because he coached him. He was there with him. Mm-hmm. You self scout. You know what? One of the best things about Bill Belichick is he knows exactly what his own team's weaknesses and strengths are because they're constantly self scouting. That's what they do at the bye week. 
One of the reasons everyone you know, seems to think, oh, the bye week, guys get rested, guys get recuperated and all that. I, I mean, that's part of it because you don't have to go through a game that weekend. But the truth of what's so beneficial, at least for the coaching staff and really probably for the, the players, the scheme moving forward is you self-scout. You take a long, hard look in the mirror of who you are and you figure out what you're good at. You figure out what your weaknesses are, and you do everything you can to avoid, you know, putting yourself in those positions where you do something you don't want to have to do, and you try to do and focus to do more of the good. That's what makes buys important. And but that's one of the things that I think Josh McDaniels and any New England coach does extremely well. I mean, I, I remember, you know, and we we can talk about all the assistants who've left, you know, from New England and their success or lack thereof, but. You know, one of the things you can sometimes see is the improvement in the second half of a season for a lot of New England coaches. And a lot of it has to do with, like, even Matt Patricia's first year, Eric Mangini, when I was with him his first year, like, we won our last five games. We were play- if you looked at our first eight games where our rankings were and compared to our last eight games in 2009 of the Browns, completely different football team. And it's because we kind of fi- finally found out our identity and started playing to that. And so sometimes that happens, I think, but that's what you're speaking to. I mean, the whole staggered stance versus, you know, parallel feet and shotgun. One, there's some truth to that, you know, for any sort of, um, even if a running back is in shotgun, right? If he's even with the quarterback, there's probably less likelihood that it's going to be a run. And reason being is he's in that position to go up and help and pass protect or release. If he's behind the quarterback in any way, even if it's a foot, He's probably, it's probably a run play or at least an RPO or something off that because he wants to get more downhill. And if he has pass protection needs, he doesn't want to be an extra foot or a yard behind the quarterback. He, in shotgun, he wants, to be, you know, he wants to be closer even with him. So there's all sorts of tendencies like that. Josh just made him aware of something that I'm sure he self-scouted with Tom Brady and was making the defense aware of it before they played him. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros in a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book and all the best guests do yourself a favor and listen to straight fire with jason mcintyre on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts every friday baby this is where you know roberto's getting ready to get it on let's do it roberto studio. This is sure. how we do it. It's Can't wait to get drunk today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, Just do it responsibly. Two pros yes. and yep. a cup of Joe here. All Fox right. Sports Radio, LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, or, Jonas Knox. And uh, these are the last <laughs> moments. These are the last moments you will hear uh, sober Roberto for the weekend. Uh, yeah. He's going to get after that. That is correct. Bit, uh, for a Raider playoff game. Give me a go Raiders, Roberto. Yeah. Let's go Raiders! No! Yeah! Berno, do the uh, do the the one you like to do on uh, Twitter when they win. Do that one. Uh, all right, really so uh, so we are. Gonna, if you missed any of the show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We will be back on Monday. Uh, look back on a busy wild card weekend here, six a.m. Eastern time, three o'clock Pacific. Right now, though, it's time for this. No. News. Turn on the news. 
Let's go to the news desk. What's the good news? Here's Brady Quinn. All right. Gentlemen, uh, uh, have you ever right. heard the saying that not all heroes wear capes? Yeah. Oh. All right. Okay. Well, a, a woman on a transatlantic flight, she began to develop a sore throat. So she administered to herself a rapid test and discovered she was positive for COVID. So she then decided to lock herself for the good of all the other 150 passengers in the cabin for the next five hours as they flew across the Atlantic. The crew was nice enough to bring her food, drinks, even some pills and blankets, um, but she occupied the bathroom for the next five hours, which obviously could be an issue on a, on a transatlantic flight. But I digress. Um, she's a hero, right? I mean, she's, she's, she's a hero for being able to protect all those others from getting COVID, um, obviously since she tested positive on the plane. Or is there another side to this where she, one, went into a bathroom where, can you imagine if you went into that bathroom and Leah Roberto just came out of it after the issues they've oh. had this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that... It gets to a point sometimes on a flight where you've got to go so bad and you can't get out of your seat because of turbulence. Like, I wonder how many of those people had to go bad enough to where they're like, you know what? Uh, COVID, smove it. I'll roll the dice. I got to get this out of my body. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we could try and paint her a hero all, all we want. But uh, and, and rapid tests in the middle of a flight, though. I mean, uh, how far we've come with this whole thing. Well, I think she actually had the rapid test. She's yeah. she self-administered this. It's impressive so. stuff, man. Yeah. Like she yeah. was able to do that. The yeah. follow-up is um, there was another test taken when she landed. It actually was a false positive. Oh, oh. no! <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So uh, so it was all for nothing. But uh, yeah, 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 that's too bad. Well, maybe that's a Guinness Book of World Records. You know, of time in a, a air airplane potty. Well, yeah, that's not a bad call. I yeah, know, think about it. Maybe it should be submitted. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. It is yeah, on the subject sure, of COVID, sure. though. Yeah. Um, okay. Ever since the latest variant of COVID nineteen, Omicron, some people are having Unicorn a hard time pronouncing it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my buddies just calls it that. O i m i crown. That's what I, that's what I refers <laughs> to oh, it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it's actually gained ground in the U.S. with all these jokes, basically being connected to Omarion. Yeah. Um, who's a, a, a R&B performer, and he's actually kind of taken along with it. He's making some jokes about it, taking it in stride. He's making TikTok videos that say, hey, this is Omarion. I'm an artist, not a variant. So please be aware, if you just happen to run into me on the street, you don't have to isolate for five days, nor do you have to have a negative test result to dance to my music. Oh, good for him. Yeah. I mean, look, think about it. If you, I think he made a song about it. If you do, uh, <laughs> like, if you're, you know, part of Corona beer and it comes out coronavirus, you're like, what the hell, man? It, it couldn't be Dos Equis Honest or to goodness, Honest to goodness, I was confused for the longest time when they were like, coronavirus. I was like totally thinking about beer yeah and, and then, <laughs> every time and then they, first first and, part of and it and then the variant that comes out is delta like wh- why can't it be united yeah, yeah. Like, you know what right. i mean good like, point like, that is a way worse airline or spirit or spirit you could call it the spirit right <laughs> that's a good point yeah the spirit variant that's the worst but airline. every yeah. time there's a there's there fights all the time all on the spirit time. Airlines. it's amazing <laughs> you basically go there to watch a boxing match <laughs> like literally if you want to go see a fight and be in the air just 
Go boat buy ticket, fly anywhere on Spirit. Oh, oh that's wow. great. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, everybody enjoy so the hell out of your too. wild card weekend. Have a great right. weekend. There Listen to Jonas tomorrow. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.